Hey there, I am Dr. Jerry Crete, and this is Be With The Word. So nice to be here with you this week. This is episode 71, and I'll be looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. Uh, today I'm going to have the topic, though, of how... What is the key to breaking free from scrupulosity? I think all of us struggle with scrupulosity to some extent or another, and some of us struggle to a great extent, uh, perhaps even to the point of um, perhaps being like obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, possibly. But even if not, many of us struggle with this issue. And I think as I was looking through these readings, exploring them, I came up with this some keys, some ways that are consistent with the scripture and consistent with psychological theory, especially um, modern neuroscience and modern trauma-informed care, really might be able to help. All right. Just to look at the readings a little bit is interesting because in the first reading, we have Peter, and it's the Acts of the Apostles. So we're not doing an Old Testament uh, uh, reading uh, at this point. And here, Peter, it doesn't tell you this in the reading, if you're just at Sunday reading it, but what just happened is that Peter just healed a man who was crippled. And then he goes and he speaks to the people. And he basically says, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has glorified his servant Jesus, right? And he says, you've handed him over and denied him, right? And, and then you even released a murderer instead of letting Jesus be free. So this, there's a powerful line here. The author of life you put to death. I don't know about you, but that really is like a dagger or sword through my heart. And certainly I can feel, whoa, on some level, the sins that I commit are in a sense um, putting the author of life to death. So one can imagine psychologically for, you know, Christian, a good Christian person who is listening to this reading can feel kind of overwhelmed, overwhelmed by their own sinfulness. Right. And so, um, it's important then, as we know that we slow that down because I know that for some, that alone becomes overwhelming. If I start thinking about mistakes I've made, maybe it was a lustful thought. Maybe it was um, an unkind word. Maybe it was something uh, more serious, possibly you know, looking at pornography or taking something that didn't belong or you know, being yelling and screaming at your kids or who knows what multitude of sins, right? But suddenly the thought, right, that I'm a sinner and a passage like that certainly brings that home. And then the memories of things that I have done can become overwhelming. And then the conclusion becomes, I'm a terrible sinner and I am bad. And that's the end of the story. And that feeling is so overwhelming that it causes a person to panic or freeze maybe even go into despair, right? Or it causes a person, in many cases, to do, 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 right? So uh, that creates like an anxious 
I need to do something, I need to do a holy hour, I need to go to mass, I need to pray the rosary, all those are good things. But, but in a state of anxiety where I'm overwhelmed by the horrible conclusion that I'm a worthless, horrible, irredeemable sinner, so I have to start getting very, very busy, right? That is, um, it cre that creates also all these anxious thoughts and I have to do this, I have to do that. That is not psychologically healthy or spiritually healthy. All right, so let's just admit that I think sometimes we do that. <laughs> I think we all have done that before. And some people stay very locked in those patterns and it rises to the occasion of some kind of a disorder. And then it's sort of ruling the way we think throughout our days and ruling the way we live and maybe even putting real limits on the way we live. All right, so how do we break free <laughs> of scrupulosity? Well, let's continue looking a little bit at these at the readings. Even in this reading in the Acts of the Apostles, we see Peter says, Now I know, brothers, that you acted out of ignorance. Interesting. So he's recognizing that the person, these people didn't know what they were doing on some level, right? Obviously, they knew what they were doing when they condemned Christ. But on some level, they really didn't know what they were doing. That's interesting. But God has brought to fulfillment what he had announced beforehand through the mouth of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be wiped away. So let's stop for a moment. I, I'm, I'm, my sins have been brought to mind. And so how do I feel? What am I thinking? Uh, I did a bad thing. Let's say I yelled at my kids. Uh, I lost my temper. Okay, how do I, that's the truth, that's just a thought. How do I feel about that? I feel shame. Hmm. Maybe I feel some sadness. Maybe I feel a little anger at myself. So slowing it down a little bit to stop and actually notice one's thoughts and notice one's feelings. But here's the key. I don't have to be attached to them. They're things that I, they're feelings and thoughts that I'm aware of. Okay, if I can slow it down enough to say, all right, there's a part of me, I like to use the parts language, souls and hearts, we do that a lot. Um, there's a part of me that is, um, th that uh, really kind of took over and really had a bad temper today. Okay, that happened. How do I feel? Okay, I'm feeling um, shame, sadness, anger, what have you. All right, we slow that down. We're just noticing it. Okay, what has happened from a neuropsychological point of view? Because if we just simply allow those, those thoughts and feelings to become kind of attached to us, like they own us, it's going to send and a message to the amygdala, which is a part of the brain, part of the brain that, um, that is like a, the smoke detector in the brain. So as soon as it detects something bad, it sends out an alarm. And then the whole system goes into, oh my gosh, we have to survive, we have to do something, we're in trouble, all right? But when we stop, we slow it down, we get a little distance from it. Still us, still our thoughts and feelings, 
but we get a little distance from it. Okay, and we can say, okay, that happened today. Now I feel this way. And we slow that down. And we say, I'm not attached to that. It means, by that I mean, it doesn't become who I am. Then all of a sudden, the prefrontal cortex, I believe it's the medial prefrontal cortex, part of the brain is activated, right? That's the part that allows us to have awareness, allows us to reflect, allows us to have gain a sense of presence. So that counterbalances the amygdala response in the brain. But we don't want to leave it there either, right? In this passage, it says, repent. Okay, repent and be converted. So in that space, there's room to say, I am so sorry. Uh, now we've moved away from anger and shame, maybe even fear, and we've moved into some guilt and some sadness. Okay, now we can say, you know what? I really don't like it that I acted that way today and I feel bad about it. And I'm sorry. All of a sudden, the amygdala is now being told there isn't an emergency. We've activated that prefrontal cortex, maybe even where um, our right brain is, is, is able to experience some actual emotions. We're able to to actually feel some, some real emotions, not just fear and anxiety, but, but some deeper emotions of sadness. All right. So then we continue. And what's beautiful is the Psalms, of course, and the way I love every week when I'm doing this show, I love the way the readings and the, the verses really speak to psychological truth, but they also walk you through a path. There's a journey in these readings and the way that they're connected to each other honestly, that I just find very uh, faith-affirming. Because um, here's, here's some of the readings, passages from the Psalms. When I call, answer me, O my just God. You who relieve me when I'm in distress, have pity on me and hear my prayer. So now there's a spiritual movement. The next little, pass- uh, little moment can be after saying, I'm sorry, would be to say, turn to, turning to God, or, or, our Lord, and saying, um, I, I, I call on you, have pity on me, hear me. So there's an appeal, a movement of the heart to God, right? And then it says here, so powerful, this the last verse, so powerful in this psalm. This is from Psalm 4. As soon as I lie down, I fall peacefully asleep. For you alone, O Lord, bring security to my dwelling. Whoa. So all of a sudden, we are allowed to sleep, right? If somebody has a lot of anxiety, I know if, if, if you've experienced any anxiety, sleep disorders or sleep problems go with it. Either an inability to fall asleep or waking up in the middle of the night uh, and worries and thought, racing thoughts and all this stuff happen, right? Maybe even mulling over all the mistakes I did during the day or, or pro, you know, continually repeating all oh, the things I need to do tomorrow and, you know, and all the fear, what if I don't do it or I don't do it right? Whatever it is, all those things can happen at night. What does the Psalm say? As soon as I lie down, I fall asleep peacefully 
for you are my security. Whoa. So I have re- I've gone through a process of noticing my mistakes, feeling my feelings about them, being sorry, repenting, turning to God. And now there's a recognition that I belong to him. Right? It, his, the dwelling is security. So let's just figure out how can we quite get there. I think the answer is in the second reading, which is from the first letter of John. It's chapter two. And he says, my children, this is John, St. John. And in some versions I've said, I've seen my little children. It's just a very affectionate way. And I sort of picture the apostle John, you know, he's fairly old, much older by this point, right? The other apostles have all passed away at this point. And Father and, and, and St. John is writing, my dear children, my little children, I am writing this to you so that you may not commit sin. Okay, so it's not, this is this whole project is not about just like, oh, we don't have to, we can sin if we want to because God's just going to forgive us. No, that's antinomianism, antinomianism I think. That's, that's a problematic way of looking at it. No, he says, I don't want you to commit sin. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be living in freedom, right? Because committing sin is is rupturing or if not fully rupturing, it could just be damaging in some way relationship with God and fellowship with God. So I don't want that for you. But here, because he knows us and he knows we're human. If anyone does sin, this is so important. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is expiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for those of the whole world. This is so important, and this is a key piece here to our whole discussion today and how to break free of scrupulosity. Okay, this is a very powerful word, advocate. I had I decided to look it up a little bit because I, I just thought this was key. And the word in Greek is parakletos, um, which has a lot of nuanced meanings. As you know, <clears throat> when you translate from Greek or even Latin, but especially Greek into English, it's very difficult sometimes to capture exactly what is meant. Um, and then you run into the issue of meanings changing a little over time in, in ancient Greece and modern Greek and all this. But this is what parakletos means means comforter sometimes used to comfort someone who's mourning or who's had a loss it means helper it can mean counselor one who lends his presence to his friends a witness a supporter an advocate in someone's defense. And hence we get the term advocate. So of course there can be a, a juridic, juridical way of looking at this where, um, you know, uh, which the Western mindset and especially Protestantism has, has kind of focused in on is the idea that Christ almost like, you know, um, uh, it's like a court case and Christ is there and takes the blame for us. Right. And of course, there's a sense in which that's true. 
But I think there's just a deeper, more powerful, richer way to look at it than just that. If he, he comes by our side and he understands, he comforts and he counsels. Because at a deep, deep level, God knows that we are broken. Our sin comes out of our fallen or our brokenness, right? We are um, in need of healing. We are in need of help. And when we sin, it is often um, out, of, um, out of the fact that we are sick. As Christ says, we need a physician. He's the physician. And so um, not to say that our sins can't have serious consequences that have to be addressed in some way. But when you really look at the heart of someone, I think Christ is the one and the only one really who can see that brokenness, right? And who can bring awareness possibly to it and then healing to it. So now let's say, let's take this through our little path. We acknowledged our sin. We noticed it. We, 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 we were aware of it. We notice our feelings about it. Sadness, uh, maybe shame, anger. Then we recognize that we come before God and we say, oh, I'm so sorry, right? So we, there's a repentance. So now we feel some guilt and maybe sadness. So we're able to notice that we feel guilty because guilt can motivate us to change, right? It's not a bad, it's, a, it's an emotion we need to sit with sometimes. And then sadness around that, okay. Then we move to noticing this other piece that's so important. Christ comes to us to comfort. He sees my brokenness. So now I want to sit with that thought. Christ has come as a comforter and as an advocate to sit with me in my sin, in my brokenness, in my hurt, in all of my emotions. And I'm going to sit, I'm going to notice that to sit with the fact that he is there. Taking a deep breath, right? Here again, if you wanna think about the neuroscience of it, we've just opened up our medial prefrontal cortex to be aware. We're allowing our limbic system to be influenced by the love and comfort of Christ. We take a deep breath and we take that in and we notice what it feels like to be comforted. And that can feel very, very powerful that he, uh, he then removes our guilt. We may still choose, right? Uh, we, we should choose, I think, to go to confession and complete that process. But we do know that with an act of contrition, in other words, an act of repentance and coming to him and being sorry, that God comes into our hearts. And then we notice, right, um, that he loves us. We can come back to the reading in the Psalm. As soon as I lie down, I fall peacefully asleep. 
For you, O Lord, bring security to my dwelling. So now that can soothe us and sit with us and be true. Okay. And then now let's allow ourselves to notice the feelings, the thoughts and feelings that come up as we rest in the security of his dwelling. And we allow ourselves to feel some joy and peace and comfort and support. Now, all of a sudden, we can really know the truth that we have been forgiven. We can re- we're not going to be stuck in those terrible, horrible conclusions that we were, po- we were attached to before. The lies that, oh, I'm irredeemable, or I'm worthless, or I'm, you know, um, not worth saving. All those lies. And yet they were conclusions that kept us stuck in scrupulosity. But we know from our scriptures, <laughs> we're being told that here, that that's not the conclusion we, sh- we need to be making. Right? We recognize here that God is calling us to know him. And to know him means to experience his love, experience his presence, experience his mercy, experience his fellowship. Just not just thinking about those things. Oh, I take a deep breath, but actually sitting with it and allowing our thoughts and our feelings to experience that. That makes all the difference because that is what's going to strengthen us and allow us to be more obedient, which is then going to align with what St. John said is, I'm writing to you so that you may not commit sin. Because the more we experience him, the more we want to obey him, because we know that sin is unhealthy for us. We just don't want to do that anymore. Right? And then the more that we obey him, we want to be united more and more to him then we imitate him. We become like him more and more. It's a process, not an easy one, but it is a powerful and life-changing process. And that is our journey. It's interesting to me that, that um, the Greeks, for example, were wanting to know God, right? And so in philosophy, they intellectually tried to solve that problem, right? And sometimes in the mystery religions later on, they tried to emotionally solve that problem. But what did the Jews really understand that that was revolutionary? That it was God revealing himself to us that allows us to have true fellowship with him, which means we have to be open to that revelation and experience it. And it will transform our minds and our hearts. All right. 
Well, I guess I'm going to have to wrap up for today. I hope that was helpful. If you're um, struggling with scrupulosity, I hope that might give you sort of a key. It's in breaking down all the pieces, right? Not allowing a major conclusion to take place, but noticing our thoughts and our feelings and walking through the path. We're not even skipping the hard stuff, but walking through the path all the way to the end where we receive we, we counter the advocate, the comforter. And we allow ourselves there to even think and feel as well. So it's that whole process, cross and resurrection. We're not skipping the cross, but we're not leaving out the resurrection. <laughs> All right, I went a little over time today. I, I've been trying to keep this under 20 minutes. So if you're still with me, uh, God bless you. I hope you got something out of it. Um, this is Souls and Hearts. Uh, this is this particular show's Be with the Word, where I explore the Sunday readings from a psychological uh, approach. Uh, but I hope you'll join us in at soulsandhearts.com. I hope you'll check out our other uh, podcast. Dr. Peter uh, has a wonderful interior therapist uh, 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 show and resilient Catholic community. Uh, we've also got blogs and other courses available uh, for free as well on our website. So take good care. And until then, be still, believe, be loved. Bye-bye now.